Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome into underground sports philadelphia episode number 416 it's matt and kb coming at you from underground studios got a lot to dive into as an eagles legend retires today uh we've obviously got to talk about just the poor decision making of our favorite nba team's head coach uh we'll get into some phillies props and of course we're gonna talk some survivor as we always do on our wednesday night shows but before we get started, be sure to follow us on the socials at Underground PHI. Our giveaway for our Nick Castellanos jersey is still live. It's going on until April 18th, so you got plenty of time to go enter. It's our pinned tweet on our Twitter at Underground PHI. You'll be one of the first people on the planet with a Phillies Nick Castellanos jersey, uh, so go enter over there for that. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. We're going to get into it on streamer season, but Christian did his Oscars prediction uh, blog right before the Oscars and only missed on one prediction. He's that good. Uh, so go check that out. And, you know, you got weekend coming up. You got the uh, the Oscar winners to go watch and check out uh, over at undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Subscribe to the podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It helps the algorithm. Matt, we were the number seven overall sports podcast in Albania this week. Wow. Albania. Very nice. Albania, baby. Shout out the Balkans, baby. Shout out to uh, Action Bronson. Yeah. Number seven. I, I pulled out. I saw the number seven. I was like, holy shit. Like, what <laughs> happened? And then I saw it was Albania. And I was like, all right, cool. Streamer season, the number four TV and movie podcast in Saudi Arabia. Respect. We're, we're just international, baby. Uh, so go check out the podcast feeds and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're 24 subscribers away from full video episodes of your favorite underground sports, Philadelphia shows being up on our YouTube channel. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main auto LLC, Ducharms pro foot security, 21 security systems, Paul J Gillespie incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the dental wellness center of Vineland. And of course, Tomahawk shades, Phil's season right around the corner. You guys heading down to the ballpark. You got to protect your eyes from the heat that's going to be coming from that stadium. And that's where Tomahawk Shades comes in. They got the sunglasses, the blue light glasses. I'm obviously rocking the hoodie right now if you're watching on Twitch. Uh, go to TomahawkShades.com. Use our code USP for 25% off your entire order from the homies over at Tomahawk Shades. And, of course, the amazing people over at Kenwood Beer. The Kenny Tailgate going down this Saturday before the Sixers Hornets game, so go hang out. Uncle Zoe is going to be there, whole crew of people uh, for the Kenny tailgate before the Sixers and Hornets game on Saturday afternoon, and you guys can go to the all-newly updated Kenny tracker at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so, 
And of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Yeah, just living the dream. Figure we start the show off with an Eagles legend who wasn't here as long as it felt like. Only six seasons um, with the Eagles, but Malcolm Jenkins on the Pivot podcast calls it a career, retiring after 13 seasons between the Saints and the Eagles. Uh, I feel like Malcolm Jenkins is one of those players that slides under the radar because he doesn't put up the flashy interception numbers and all of that in terms of just like the statistical stuff. But Malcolm Jenkins is like one of those football players that if he's on your team, you know you have a leader in the locker room. He proved that all six years that he was here. And I think it's hilarious that going into that offseason when Malcolm Jenkins was signed over Jerry's Bird, that everyone was freaking out, thought we missed out on the best free agent. Jerry's Bird goes to the Saints, obviously gets injured and never was the same player after he left the Bills. And Malcolm Jenkins comes here, becomes a franchise legend does everything and then some that you could hope for for a guy to fill in at the position that another franchise legend in Brian Dawkins played helps you win the Super Bowl and I think will be regarded as an all-time eagle even though he was only here for six seasons and also spent seven other years of his career down in New Orleans yeah um, obviously one of the key figures too of the Eagles during that time definitely one of the uh, the faces of the team and yeah, he's had a, a pretty outstanding career. He certainly isn't like, yeah, like you said, eye-popping statistics. But I think anyone who's ever had Malcolm Jenkins on their team will tell you that he is like very much the organizer of the defense and someone that I think fans also uh, gravitate towards. Yeah, I mean, two-time Super Bowl champ, you know, tons of accolades. And I was I was laughing because the bottom ticker on uh, ESPN today was like, retires with 21 interceptions. It's like, that's like... <laughs> at the bottom of the laundry list of like all of the career accolades of Malcolm Jenkins. But I mean, not only was he like the consummate professional on the field, locker room leader, very involved in the community in either city that he was in, even after he left, like was helping get bills passed in Congress when he was in Philadelphia, like changed the landscape of a lot of things off the field that impacted so many people that I think doesn't get talked about enough. And I think, just the the type of person Malcolm is will forever be remembered, especially here because he was so involved in the city and so involved in so many like big decision making processes for things that didn't even have to deal with football. Yeah, he's uh, certainly someone whose impact off the field too is is definitely very felt. And I mean, he's one of those guys that tons of people gravitated towards. You saw the the social media just like flood of people, you know, congratulating him on a fantastic career today. Um, he's, I mean, you could say top three Eagles free agent signing of all time, like him, Brandon Brooks, those are, are the top two yeah. for me that come to mind. Where would T.O. be on that list? See, everybody forgets <laughs> T.O. is technically a trade. Right. So I think that's one of the best trades in Eagles history, even though it was for a year and a half, but... In terms of free agents, it's tough to really, like, nail it. And, I mean, obviously, every single free agent that came through in 2017 was, you know, it it worked to a T, but... Would you call him... Michael Vick was technically a free agent. Technically, yeah. I think Vick is Circumstances were a little odd, but... Yeah. I think he's definitely, at least in the top five. Yeah. Um, But Malcolm, I think, you know, for what he did as a whole on the field off the field helps you win a super bowl yeah. 
he does he borderline get in the discussion of like a, a jersey retirement? I I feel like he's an automatic lock for like the Eagles Ring of Honor. But jersey if, retirement is it's I borderline, think, but I I don't think it will happen. But you could make the argument. I think. I think it's tough because there's probably going to be a few guys from this era that are in that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just like a product of being in a time where, especially where you've like broken the Super Bowl drought and there's a lot of really talented guys on this team in the last decade that, you know, are going to be retiring in the next five, six years. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so where does he rank among them in terms of like, it's just, I think that's where it gets tough. It's yeah. like, I don't know. It's like being uh, an elite wide receiver in an era <laughs> like like now even, you know, where it's just like you kind of get buried under a lot of uh, other guys and it can just be a challenge. Yeah, I think the one player that you could almost like write it in Sharpie is going to get their jersey retired from this era of Eagles football is Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Like he's the one and then I think number two is Brandon Graham and then you kind of trickle down and it's like, okay, let's have the – the debate back and forth, but I think those two would go before Malcolm, especially since think both number eleven's getting retired or? <laughs> for Zach Pascal. <laughs> the uh, I think those two, especially since they spent their entire career, yeah, with the Eagles, with Kelsey and Brandon Graham, where Malcolm spent more of his career with New Orleans over the past couple of seasons as well, just boosting that. Thirteen years though in the NFL to transition from corner to like people forget he got drafted as a corner out of Ohio State. Wasn't the best corner in the NFL. Switched over to safety and like revolutionized his career. Um, on his way to two Super Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls, and did the damn thing. So congratulations to Malcolm Jenkins on one hell of a career. And, and wh- whatever Malcolm does next, obviously we talked about it on this show. I think you guys talked about it on Top Ends too. Like he invested in a soccer team. Like he's all over the place in terms of just you know getting his feet wet in so many different you know avenues of things that Mm -hmm. malcolm's gonna be successful at whatever he does next absolutely um the other bit of eagles news the kelly greens are coming back and everybody's losing their minds uh the kelly green jerseys are coming back in 2023 and this season to go with the blackout uniforms the eagles will be wearing black helmets um which i think was the the missed piece of information from jeffrey laurie's uh press conference yesterday at the owners meetings um but Kelly Green coming back in 2023 and not like the Reebok looking ones from 2010. It is like the Randall Cunningham era uh, throwbacks and they will be in the alternates. And I'm hoping that like every team just has like four alternate uniforms. Yeah. Um, well, because, the Bucks are bringing back the creamsicles. Yeah, too, the Bucks right? are bringing back the creamsicles. So, I mean, I just don't want to lose the black uniforms. I think the Eagles black uniforms, you know, as plain and and bad as some blackout uniforms can be i think the eagles have one of the best in all sports yeah it's also like the green trim on it too i mm-hmm. think is is a really nice aspect to the the black because some people go like all black and it just doesn't yeah it doesn't always work that way i think you need to accent it um i like the kelly greens i'm also not like it's weird right because there's been like this weird campaign pretty much yes. our entire lives to have the kelly greens back um and I get it. They are like definitely like not only nostalgic, but they're really nice looking, mm-hmm. really clean, and it's cool to have them back. And I, I say that's in too now, right? Like bringing back uh, old things. Like everything's a cycle, of course, but it's going to be cool to have those back. Um, yeah, it's Philly has like some awesome throwback jerseys now yeah. that like have now refound their way back. Like the the powder blues, I think, are still Just the, all the best. Um, up next now is like the Sixers black, you know, like early two thousands jerseys. Would you rather the Sixers bring the black or the blue version? 
of that. It would like, depend on what the style is. I think they would update the style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind, yeah, the Blues kind of get a little under the disrespected radar. in that discussion because the Blues were, I think, just as cool and as interesting. Yeah. Um, I would only go black simply because we haven't had a good black That's jersey. Uh, we've had some really nice blue ones. Some, I, I think our jerseys now too, even for the Sixers. They're nothing like amazing, but they're really clean. Like you know, they're they're nice looking, right? The Spectrum ones, I hope. Spectrum ones are beautiful. Those ones, like even though like they're like an anniversary type thing, I really would love for those to stay in the rotation. I love the um even the uh the seventy sixers like written style with the cream. Yeah. Uh, was really nice. I didn't totally love the font and I didn't mm-hmm. love the team, <laughs> but <laughs> those are the Sixers have done. I'd say like overall pretty well. Yeah. Especially with like those specific ones, um, and the leaked city jerseys for next year look pretty nice as well. If that is the case, if, yeah. if that is in fact the one I saw, but um, yeah, now it's just them, right? That that's who we're waiting for uh, yeah. to <laughs> to like re, uh, rebirth our, rebirth. our childhood. I'm sure in like ten years, people will be begging for like the Flyers uh, like winter classic style, oh, like yeah. the cream orange to be back. 100%. Which I don't blame them either because that's like beautiful. But yeah, yeah the Powder Blues I think are still like top tier yeah i, I don't think they're one of the really best touches. jerseys like in all of sports they're just great <laughs> like, and it drives me nuts that like some teams now like are trying to force powder blue into their rotation that like there's no history of them having powder blue like they don't really like have blue in their color scheme like the minnesota twins having powder blue strikes me as odd the texas rangers having powder blue i'll say the twins at least it kind of, like i feel like powder blue makes sense for minnesota yeah. it does not for texas though. texas it's weird uh even back in the day i thought it was weird and the fact that the cardinals have powder blue is very strange yeah. to me i could in a way i could see that though i yeah. don't know in a way that makes sense like like it, they did have but. it at least back in like the Ozzie Smith era yeah. of, of Cardinals baseball. So it made sense for them to bring them back. But like so many teams now are trying to force powder blue into their rotation. And it's like, you don't need it. Like it works for like the Tampa Bay Rays. I think their, their powder blue jerseys or their, you know, light blue jerseys look great. Um, but They're, not yeah, every those team are a little it. like more muted than yeah. uh, ours are like, you turn the lights off. You still see those. Things right. The, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but yeah, I think everybody's, got their opinion on the kelly like i was fine like cool kelly green's back like whatever it doesn't move the needle for me one way or another it's just another you know game day outfit you can wear that everybody's been wearing for the last 20 years anyway it'll be nice now just to have like a new release of them Mm -hmm. for people to be able to like have and that'll probably be like the thursday night football yeah jersey that they wear i wish they would do that be like yeah it'd be cool like for throwback the, I know thursday they did the, the it's col- right there yeah, the color rush stuff which was cool I, yeah. I thought some of those were really nice looking uh why yeah why not dip into like the history like when is like the anniversary of like the history of the nfl let me let me text them let me email <laughs> hey roger let me hit up raj tell him what's up um but like, it's right there for you like throwback thursday like that's you know in this age of of social media too like boom there's your instagram like blow up and like your Twitter blow up, like oh, we got Thursday Night Football Throwback Thursday matchup. Like think about like if the Seahawks brought back like their old uniforms, with, like the silver helmets and like the uh, the more royal blue. We missed it. Hundred years 100 of the NFL years, was in twenty nineteen. Yeah, damn it. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work and with the rise of streaming platforms new tv shows and movies are popping up every single week 
and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to wait for like 125. All right, let's hold on to that idea. Um, but it would be sick if like that was like the Thursday night football thing. Because I think every team now, outside of maybe like the Texans, have at least one throwback uniform that I think the all Texans their fans can't throw back unless they yeah, become the unless Oilers. Unless they do the Oilers, <laughs> which I think the Titans have the VIP for. Yeah. Um, because even like the Jaguars have like their old Jaguar logo that they could bring back and everything, um, but I think the Texans are like the only team that doesn't have a throwback. Or they uniform. just bring back. They put like David Carr on the helmet <laughs> of him just getting absolutely. Or they just bring him back for the first play and let him get sacked. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like the first pitch or like the the first kick or something like in Algo, it's like they just let like David Carr just get slammed down by at, like, JJ Watt. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be incredible. Um. But yeah, I think that would be a super dope idea, especially with all the teams starting to bring them back now. Like we've seen the Titans wear Oilers jerseys, we've seen the Rams now revive like their old school look when they went back to L.A. Um, every team's been breaking out, you know, the throwback uniforms over the past couple of seasons. So why not make that the Thursday night football like mainstay? Especially if you're trying to get every team to play on Thursday night football too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then the last bit of Eagles news that came out this week. Uh, did you see Jordan Mailata on The Masked Singer? I did not. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to pull this up. Twitch, don't kill us. Because, Matt, I don't. I need Jordan Mailata to record a uh, a cover album. I didn't realize he was uh, lyrically gifted. Like it that, is. But good for Jordan Mailata. He, he performed the, uh, the, the song Classic. Okay, yeah. And he did Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Jordan Mailata is now the rightful owner of those two songs. That's how good he was. Never uh, got too big into The Masked Singer. Not my Neither mind. have I. I just saw the clips on Twitter and was, like, blown away. Um, let me see here. Good for Jordan Mailata. Because I know, like, during training camp, he'd be, like, in the locker room, like, singing and playing like ukulele or guitar and like his voice was great but like to go up on stage too and like put on a whole performance in that suit is insane kind of insane concept for a tv show yes (laughs) so here's him doing classic wow As if these hosts knew who Jordan Mailata was. Like, who is that? Who is that guy? That, that voice sounds like, familiar. That looks like Brian Pitt's, like, nephew. Yeah, Jordan Mailata would not be the first name that I, I no. think most people would think of. Wow, that's pretty good. Who are the hosts? Who are the hosts for this? Uh, I know Ken Jong is on there. Um, he uh, he walked off. They had like Rudy, Rudy Giuliani on here once. 
Did they really? Like a few weeks ago, and um, I'm pretty sure. And Ken Jong like walked off set. That's <laughs> like, I'm not. unreal. <laughs> uh, Nicole Sh- uh, Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls. Okay. Jenny McCarthy, and then Robin Thicke. Huh. Okay, so Robin Thicke, I guess, is I maybe guess the guy the that looked guy, like Brad yeah. Pitt's nephew. And uh, then I think Nick Cannon's, like, the host. Okay. Wow. Well, good for Jordan Mailata, you know? Like, crushed it's always good it. to differentiate yourself some way. Crushed it. Yeah, uh, diversify your talent. You know who's not crushing it, though, Matt, is uh, Doc Rivers. Oh. Just hmm. an abysmal, abysmal. Starting to get worried. Starting to get worried, and it's and it's not like one of those things where it's like, we're just talking shit about Doc Rivers. Everybody on the planet realizes like how bad of a coach he is. It's pretty tough. Uh, his love affair with DeAndre Jordan is bizarre to me. I don't. Know I want to know what happened when I don't, they locked him in his house. I don't know what compromise he has on him, but um, damn, like I, I don't know what leverage. He's got, but I I need to find some of that because I think I could make a living for myself too if that was the case. But, um, yeah, his just like total, total inability I think to handle like high pressure situations is not great. And when you consider how challenging the playoffs are going to be this year, and that we saw, you know, there was a lot of reasons that we lost to the Hawks. I would say there's there's three mm-hmm. primary reasons. Uh, one is that Ben shit his pants. Two was that Embiid was hobbled. We yes. have like forgotten that he had the meniscus issue, even though he played very well in that series mostly. And three, I would say, was Doc's inability to like just not deploy a bench squad, mm-hmm. um, to not stagger lineups. And I worry, you know, we like were so excited, especially having Harden on this team with Maxi and Embiid, that that wasn't going to be necessary anymore, and that just hasn't really been the case. Yeah, um, yeah Doc is, I, I think, a ceiling lowerer ceiling lower or uh, for this team <laughs> um and man the crossroads between uh, being able to choose between Ty Lu last year and doc and, and choosing doc is uh that is a chasm that is it's like pangea breaking up like there's an ocean now between those two guys it's it's unreal um i think anything this team succeeds will almost be in spite of doc yeah. Rivers. and it's like one of those things where it's like you look at it and it's like can this team even make it out of the second round again because of just the the inefficiencies and the stubbornness that doc rivers just employs on this team it's going to be very matchup dependent i mean and that's the case for pretty much everyone in the east this year i would say mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be very matchup dependent um, I know right now the Sixers have, and it's going to change, you know, by tonight right. because of how tight the East is. But right now you're you're playing the Bulls, which I feel That's confident great. against the Bulls. Um, but you know, like you're you're most likely playing like the Bulls or you know any one of like the Raptors, Cavs, Nets. I think you feel good about the Bulls, Cavs. I feel I feel comfortable mm-hmm. getting out of the first round against both of those teams. No disrespect to them, but I just I believe the Sixers are better. Um, yeah, and have have played better against those teams this year, and I would feel pretty good about um, the Raptors. I would not feel good about the Nets. No, um, and that's not even just based off of the the smattering they gave us a few weeks ago in that uh that Harden return game, Ben Simmons return game. But um, I don't think defensively, that's not a team I won in the first round yeah. at all. That's, and the, that's a huge this test. came out two hours ago uh, from Tim Bontemps for ESPN. Uh, Asked in the past 24 hours if their teams are fully vaccinated. The Heat and Bucks said they were. The Celtics and Sixers declined to do so, meaning they could 
be missing players for road games in a possible first round series with the Raptors. I think though that's um that's no one significant. Yeah. Um the Sixers have been largely and when I say largely I mean I think that we have like one At player forefront. that that isn't and I want to say DeAndre Jordan isn't. But well, our I good friend and, and friend of the program Ryan Jones tweeted uh today. I don't I don't know if it was the player that is exactly in question or if it was just satire because he was making a doc joke, um, tweeted the NBA. Sorry, doc. Charles Bassey is unavailable to play in Toronto because he's unvaccinated. Doc, dot, dot, dot. Who is that? <laughs> it's certainly possible right now. I mean, so like in the East and this is going to change literally by tomorrow, probably. And, um, this is like where it gets challenging, but you know, if you're the four or five spot, you're most likely playing, you know, the heat, Mm-hmm. Because right now the Cavs and Nets would be meeting in a playing game, as well as the Hornets and Hawks. Um, you would trust that the Nets probably beat the Cavs in a one-off, and then become the seventh seed. And then I would uh, back the Cavs to beat either the Hornets or the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So you'd have Heat, Cavs, one-eight, and right the now the Sixers there. are the, yeah, and then the uh, the Sixers are the you know fourth seed. I wonder how many of those games LeBron would show up to since the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, well, he has to play more games to have uh, enough eligibility to win the scoring title. I think he has to play uh, a few more. I think out of the last seven, he has to play three or four, I think, to actually make it so he could win the scoring title. But that ankle, not great. Not yeah, great. The, the Lakers season has been um, something crazy. <laughs> like They might not even make the play-in. Uh, which is astounding when you consider the expectations for that team. Which makes me think back to All-Star break. Uh, LeBron might be on the Cavs bench <laughs> yeah. because he was their third All-Star. Right. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I mean, that'd be a great pickup for them, honestly, if they could get LeBron in. Off but the bench? The East is going to be challenging, right? I mean, I, I think, honestly, you know, having to, to get through the Bulls, I'm comfortable with. And then, you know, a a second round matchup most likely with the heat Mm -hmm. is uh, not ideal. But I think if you're asking me to play any one of the heat bucks Celtics in the second round, I I think it probably would be the heat. Um, So there's that. So I think we like as as difficult and as like gritty of a series that will be, I think of those teams, we match up the best against them. I would agree. And I I think they have, I I think we, we can exploit that team in a way that we probably aren't able to do. Yeah, just get him beat uh, to flip although the off Celtics, the <laughs> The Celtics uh, don't have Robert Williams for... Four to six weeks, I yeah, think Yeah, a, a pretty sizable chunk of the playoffs. Um, he's, he's certainly missing like any first-round action. Second round is, is iffy because he had that meniscus injury that he uh, got a procedure done on. But, yeah, the it's all going to come down to the last few games here. There's, there's not much left in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of winnable games for the Sixers yeah and you know like it's weird too because you don't know if winning is good or not right (laughs) Um, but you know everything from last year's playoffs too it's like just play who's ever in front of you Mm -hmm. and get over it you know like we thought that we had the best path and I mean we did but yeah um, it didn't work out for us like just play the best teams and and whatever happens happens I would love to just not lose in the second round that'd be amazing sick and tired of it (laughs) but every single year of us doing this podcast has been (laughs) second round exit at least yeah which is uh not counting the the mickey mouse bubble the bubble year yeah i don't know you know i just think um <laughs> it's tough too because like you're obviously coming off the back of two pretty tough losses Suns and, and bucks that bucks game especially felt like it was there for you and 
Um, for the most part, the Suns game was too. Yeah, the Suns the, the Suns was definitely a, a winnable game as well, which was an unfortunate. But I mean, the Suns have just found ways to beat them. Yeah. Suns are amazing. I, I think, especially I haven't obviously been able to watch a ton of them this year, but I watched them obviously play the Sixers, and that was they're such a good team. <laughs> and I mean, it's crazy too because they're obviously doing this without Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, that you have him back for the playoffs. Suns have to be, I think, one of the favorites for the title. I mean, yeah. they certainly are, but. I don't know that they get the love that maybe they should, but the East is going to be a challenge, and I mean, mm-hmm. we've known that. That's not news. Um, so much of it, though, is going to come down to seeding, and right now there's one and a half games separating one to four, so it's not inconceivable right now that it's Heat, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers. That changes, you know, three or four more times, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we only have, I think, you know, seven or eight games. Seven, yeah, each team has like seven or eight games left in the season, so it's like. You're gonna you're gonna have some some flipping around, but yeah, you you mentioned it. the Sixers have a, a pretty light schedule, uh, the rest of the way. You got the Pistons, Hornets, Cavs, Pacers, Raptors, Pacers, Pistons. So should be beating the two Pistons, playoff both teams. of those teams. Yeah, um, and and a few play-in teams is where, like, I I think I think that's that's a that's a good way to end out your season. I yeah. think um, you know you've had some tests. I would say overall, done pretty well with them. I I haven't hated the way we've played against you know the other like top teams um we haven't come out with a lot of wins in those games mm-hmm. necessarily but uh, the performances have not been you know terrible to the point that you you worry about this team but i i do think the uh, the ceiling is not what we're not what we're hoping for in some ways especially with doc at the helm yeah uh if you had your choice to re- you know because we we had both of these guys at one point would you rather have monty williams or ime Udoka as the head coach of the sixers two of the hottest teams yeah. in basketball right now obviously with the suns and the celtics and uh both guys were in our building at one point and we chose to let them go i think it'd probably be monty um yeah. i just think he's fantastic and this what the suns have done over the last you know last season and now this season is great and i mean it all like so much of it too was like Definitely acquiring Chris Paul was a big change in mm-hmm. that, but you know we've kind of like memory holds. I think the uh, the Bubble Suns, who are like everyone's favorite yeah. second team, and um, you know how fantastic they played, and that that was like that core growing together. And yeah, Monty would be great. I would take just about uh, a lot of people over Doc Rivers. Only reason I say Udoka is because it takes him away from the Celtics. Yeah, he, the Celtics have been good. I I think too. I think people piled on, especially early in the season, perhaps unnecessarily because. They were they were struggling a bit, um, but they're still it's like such a young team, mm-hmm. and they still are such a young team that I think that was all a little bit overblown, perhaps. But um, yeah, the Celtics have been have been great, and that worries me a little bit. I uh, I <laughs> this said, division, our division's so, so dumb. <laughs> I said this on the last episode that I recorded uh, on Sunday night that came out on Monday. It, it's cute and everything. The the you know the Celtics little you know heat check right now but can the can all these people that are talking about jason tatum being the mvp just shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah Tatum like, for MVPs, uh, that's it's cute it. like he's playing well but like it has not been for the full season and there's clearly like three or four players in the nba that have had a much better season than him as a whole yeah plus it's joel Embiid, and this little run of you know people just like bootlicking Jokic right now is also just insane um I know Jokic just played well but like the way the season has gone and in terms of 
you know, the literal definition of most valuable player and coupled with how good he's been, it's Joel Embiid. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough because but I I love Jokic. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could make a similar case for him too, though, because they obviously haven't had their two other best players. And, yeah. You know, and that's been a challenge all season, and he's been the guy, like, continue. Like, what Jokic does I think is incredibly impressive, and I, I do like that we at least have, like, a race this year. Um, mm-hmm. I hated last year that very much, you know, like, Embiid gets hurt, and it's, you know, he just had too many injuries and it was no longer really a discussion but um i do like that there's there's three guys now that you're having an actual conversation about i think any one of uh jokic Embiid, and Giannis can win it this year and it seems like it's going to come down to that jokic seems like the favorite at this point but you know we'll have to see how that comes down to i'd be disappointed if mb doesn't win yeah. um because i do feel he's deserving but i i i wouldn't feel like if jokic Giannis wins it like that's some great tragedy either you know like i i don't think those guys are undeserving right um it would, it would just be tough to swallow because i feel like last year he played at a very high level and was underlooked simply because of um injuries mm-hmm. and he really still played like a, a good chunk of the season it's not like he missed you know 40 games like right. it, it still like out there a lot it was clearly impactful and clearly amazing um and this year it's been very much the same and i mean he's been dominant in big games too it's not like he's just uh beating up on on the cupcake so yeah, this. I mean, the last stretch of the season could be important for that case too. You know, if, mm-hmm. if the Sixers went off, you know, six, seven in a row or something, and Embiid has strong performances, that's great. But you know, I I would love to have an Embiid, another MVP in the city. That'd be great. And you know, we obviously haven't had a Sixer MVP since Iverson. That'd be great. But I uh, to have two MVPs in a calendar year would, would be, be nice, amazing. <laughs> what would be and even better like, is if the Sixers make the finals. Yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the the division, by the way. Um, we're the only division in the league with uh, with four forty win teams. And I mean, even the Knicks for like being bottom of the division are not bad. Yeah. Um, I think the only other division that's really close in terms of like qu- like number of quality teams mm-hmm. is like the Northwest and the Pacific. Northwest says obviously the Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, and then Trailblazers, Thunder lagging it behind. But you know, three of those, the top three teams have middle 40 wins and then you have the suns warriors clippers lakers kings you know suns warriors are you know that's a that's top heavy there and the clippers i mean you know paul george coming back there's like a lot of chatter about Kawhi leonard coming back that could be like a dark horse team and the lakers aren't like they've they've been like snake bitten which sucks a lot this season too um Devin put it together though, if we're being honest. You know, isn't it are what they are. Isn't it wild? Like the NBA, I feel like, is the one sport of the four major like American sports that like nobody gives a shit about the divisions. Yeah, it, it's, it's very no similar really to like soccer, where it's yeah. almost like the conference is like your table. Yeah. And that's all you're really worried about. Yeah, no one um no one bothers much of the divisions, I would say. In, in terms of like what that means yeah. i think it's also because like there's nothing it's not like in other sports where like winning your division i mean typically winning your division is gonna have to mean that you're making the play yeah. you know like you know winning your division in football is so much different right. than winning your division because and you know, even in baseball right in baseball too it's it's important that was that was mostly too because of the scarcity of playoff positions mm-hmm. i wonder if over time now that you know baseball is expanding a little bit playoffs if that means a little less but i think mm-hmm just like historical sentiment that i think gives baseball that extra edge um yeah 
You're right, though. I don't think really people care much about yeah like you don't uh, see like winning you know, your division or like your division record like you do in a lot of other sports you don't get hats and t-shirts for winning the <laughs> the atlantic division in basketball yeah it's uh although you know what maybe we should start hey i'll uh, talk to me in like a week and a half and see if we <laughs> beat the celtics out for the atlantic <laughs> division crown and then uh and then we'll chat run it up um but yeah i was i was thinking about that the other day i was like nobody really cares about yeah. the divisions in in the NBA, it's uh it's kind of like just uh, a figment of our imagination almost. Where like it's there, but it literally means like close to nothing. Respect. Um, Res- I respect the divisions. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. (laughs) You already know. I think that's how it always goes. like 45 minutes and we're at like Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Matt, I, I am pretty annoyed that we have to wait again, uh, but the City Connect baseball jerseys for this season have been announced, mm-hmm. not including the Phillies. I don't know if all of the teams announced theirs, but the stolen franchise gets one this year, and it might be their best jersey. The Cherry Blossoms, yeah. those are beautiful. Along with the Wizards uh, doing that for their uh, their jersey as well, but... I don't know. It would be cool to see, you know, what they would do for the Phillies, but I believe the 2022 City Connect jerseys are the Nationals, and they will debut theirs first. Um, the Angels are on that list. The Royals are on the list. The Brewers. And I think the, the Nationals yeah, ones they are look so great. Nice. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that you should lead into with, like, like – why not? Especially in baseball where it's yeah. like, come on. It's the Rockies, the Astros, the Royals, the Angels, the Brewers, Padres, and Nationals all getting theirs. And then last year's was the Diamondbacks, the Red Sox, the Cubs, White Sox, Dodgers, Marlins, and the Giants. Man. Those are nice. And these were last year's, which I think the Marlins had the best ones, especially with like the historical significance to what yeah. they were doing. I like the Mar. I, I I like the Red Sox too, and uh, too the Diamondbacks are clean. Yeah, the Diamondbacks ones were nice. I like the White nice Sox. There. The Giants one was interesting. It was mostly just kind of like to be like you're in the clouds with the right. Golden Gate Bridge. I thought the Cubs was kind of boring. Um, it is a little uh, 
The hat is nice. Yeah. Jersey. And then the Dodgers was like, it looks like their regular jersey. No, no difference. Um, gotta get that branding and. But I do. I love the Marlins one, even though it's red. It's it's a significance to uh, the Cuban Sugar Canes team, uh, and then the Diamondbacks with the the tan, playing into like the the Hispanic aspect of everything was really cool. I'm just I'm ready to see some of like the classic teams, like the Phillies and the Yankees, yeah. and, like teams like that to just see what oh, they the do. Yankees won't let them do anything. No. <laughs> The, I think it's like, this is off-white. <laughs> you got to add a quarter inch to the pin shred. That's it. <laughs> um, but I like that baseball's doing this with all the uniforms and the uh, the Nationals. They they did a damn good job with theirs. Yeah, respect. Respect to respect is due. We're almost a week away, Matt. Wow. Almost a week away from ba- it. It felt like it was never going to happen. Right. But we're a week away from baseball. So I figured uh, we would get our, our preseason Phillies props and predictions uh, on the table to look back on in September when we're dead wrong about all of them. Did you see, by the way, though, the Cardinals uh, beat the the Nationals today 29-8? to 8. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, apparently the Cardinals uh, batted around twice in a Holy inning. shit. <laughs> so, it's the pool holes effect, baby. <laughs> so that was nice. Um. Yeah, that's great. And Albert Pujols announcing that this is his final season. Yeah, uh, but back with the Cardinals, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I figured, you know, we'll look back on this in September when we're dead wrong about every single thing that happened to this Phillies team. Uh, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, where by the end of the week, the uh, the NL East run differential props will be up on Pickup's website. Uh, you guys can start playing the hottest headlines in sports by going to playpickup.com. Create your fan profiles. Play the hottest props created by content creators. Uh, you get points on your fan profiles for getting props correct, and anybody can play. It's free to play. And then you cash those points in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. So go to playpickup.com now. Uh, number one, it's from a, an unnamed sports book who does not sponsor this podcast, so no free ads. Phillies to make the playoffs, Matt. Yes is at plus 100. No is at minus 122. So they are predicting them to not make the playoffs but it's very close this is is a true head in the heart situation i Uh, was going through the national league i'll I'll pull up the the national league just as a whole for everybody here i think my head says no my heart says yes i think the expanded playoffs is obviously going to help the phillies a hundred percent um but if you just break it down division by division in the national league Obviously, the NL East, you have the World Series champs, which is disgusting, the the Atlanta Barbs. Um, they lost Freddie Freeman. They get Matt Olson. They signed Kenley Jansen. So, like, on paper, I would say they're about the same as they were right. last year. Uh, then you have the Mets, who just signed everybody under the sun. They'll have Juan Soto as well, like, healthy for the whole year. Yeah. Uh, oh, the they'll have uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking Nationals. Um, the Mets, they signed Scherzer. They've got... Starling Marte, you know. It's the Mets. Come on. It's the Mets. In 2030, I'll be worried. Yeah. On paper, you would expect the Mets to make the playoffs, but they'll find a way to mess it up. The Nationals, they signed All Nelson All it takes Cruz. is one Cohen tweet. Yes. <laughs> he went to the locker room again. Uh, the Nationals signed Nelson Cruz. They lost and are retiring Ryan Zimmerman's number, um, but didn't really do much else yeah. that I can remember to move the needle for them. The Marlins... They're just the thorn in our side. And then you have the Phillies who, on paper, offensively at least, 
seem to be on a track to where like they should put up runs nonstop. And Adam Hazley gets traded this week. Yeah. Um, for McKinley Moore, who all but confirmed that he got traded by retweeting us uh, before retweeting anything else. So shout out. Um, seems like the path for Mickey Moniak making the team is Matt Veerling's uh, platoon mate. You did say back in 2020, Matt. I he did. was next. Listen, love the guy. We love our Moniak. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel bad about Hazley being gone. Uh, I never feel like he got like a consistent shake with us. Obviously, I had some bad luck last year, too, but... Um, you know, that's the way it goes, right? I, I the division, man, is tough. Last year, I thought the Nationals were going to be better than they mm-hmm. were. Um, but like you said, they haven't improved a whole lot. I think it's it's going to be Braves at the top again. I Hard agree. for me to see them, especially like their young pitching is only going to improve. Yeah. Um, I think the, their biggest hard. question mark is their rotation. Like their bullpen yeah. is still really good, and they have the lineup to hit. And they're getting Marcelo Zuna back too from his uh, domestic violence incident yikes um but their their rotation is like okay yeah it doesn't really like jump out at you might be like the weakest in the division in terms of like overall talent it's like Mets are definitely at the top yeah Mets are Mets are top I would say I would personally go like probably Mets Nats Phillies Marlins Braves but I think you could. There's room the for Nats discussion. Have anybody else at Strasburg that I'm forgetting? I, in my mind, Strasburg is just know. is is in the same tier for me as Wheeler, and then I don't feel strongly that like the oh Phillies, they have Corbin, but Phillies like all through are necessarily yeah. better. Um, that's just my my view, which could obviously change. But so I would say they have like a top two with. Strasburg and Corbin, and that's if Strasburg can stay healthy. That I think is on a similar tier to me as Wheeler, Nola, personally. Yeah, I could see that. See Nola uh, tied for six in spring training strikeouts. Love to see that. That's a spring big positive in my count, opinion. Count for real stats um, actually now. Yeah, I mean the Nationals don't really like jump out at me as like, like they'll yeah. hit, but I I think the Phillies. I think the Phillies might make the playoffs. I really do. I, I, you know, yes is plus money. It's always fun to root for your own team to make it. I'm then looking yes. at the rest of the National League too, because you would assume the Phillies are going to get in as a wild card. Uh, the Reds are absolutely tanking. The Pirates are tanking. The Cardinals are good. You know, I don't think you can call what the Pirates are doing tanking. They are existing as yeah. they naturally are. <laughs> They're trying to not exist. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals obviously have an offense that's good. We'll see what their pitching does. A lot of guys are hurt right now for them pitching-wise, so that might hurt them early on. The Cubs are kind of like in a reshuffling Yeah, well, portion. it's weird, too. The, the owners, the Ricketts, are also apparently in the process of buying Chelsea. Yeah. So maybe uh, maybe some distractions there. Cubs got a little lucky last season too with like their performance. Like they had like otherworldly bullpen performance. I don't know. How, yeah, like, and then it was like, oh, they're trading off everybody. <laughs> You're right. You know, farewell tour to the the World Series team. Brewers will be good though. The Brewers will be good. Um, I think they'll win that division probably with ease. Um, but I think if two teams make it out of the NL Central, it'll be the Brewers and Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because you have Goldschmidt, Arenado, and now you have Albert Pujols there as your DH. So. Uh, the NL West, fucking tough. Dude. You have the Dodgers. <laughs> you have the Giants. It's a tough division. The Padres are the one that, like, on paper they should be good, but now with Fernando Tatis Jr. out because of the motorcycle accident, yeah. 
you don't know when he's coming back. And their pitching was so inconsistent last year in terms of just like bad performances and staying healthy. Listen, they were my NL pick. I yeah. I had a Yankees Padres World Series last year. How do you think I feel? So I mean, they're they're the one that I think the Phillies would be fighting with for that final wild card spot. Similar to last year as yeah. well. <laughs> I think I think there might be there could be three playoff teams to me out of this division pretty easily. And I mean Especially with got Chris Bryant. Yeah, like I would be. Yeah, (laughs) Um, they'll they'll look great as they're ten games below five hundred in July. Um, You mean May? (laughs) No, they'll they'll have a good spring, I think. But yeah, I think Giants poised to be good again. Dodgers, no reason to believe that they won't be good. Especially Um, with Freddie Freeman now there. Yeah, like just continually. I think the one thing the Dodgers have to worry about is the quote unquote inexperience of their pitching rotation because it is going to be a lot of young guys in that rotation now like sure they brought Kershaw back but it's going to be Walker Bueller Kershaw and then kind of a lot of question marks because they're still dealing with that moron Trevor Bauer who is not pitching for them because he's on the exempt list yikes um and then you have a lot of guys who have been like kind of shuffled between their bullpen and starting rotation because they've had so much depth Mm -hmm. and they've traded for so many guys over the last couple of seasons that that's just going to be interesting to watch to just see their their young players that they've touted for years come to fruition. Yeah, I I think uh, I think there's probably three coming out of the West. So Phillies are Phillies are there. I think mm-hmm. you know the, you're gonna have to contend probably with the Mets um, as well for like a, a wild card yeah. spot. Uh, Nationals could be better than they were last year. They're pretty far off it by the end. Um, I don't know that that'll be the case again this season, but. I think, like, we say it every year, divisional play is going to be so important for the Phillies. Um, I, I just I pray that the, the bullpen is not going to kill you the way that it has. You know, we, we're obviously, like, not going to be able to depend on Wheeler the way we did, especially mm. at the start of the season, of course. But I, I don't know that we're going to be able to get Cy Young Wheeler again. Yeah. Um, that's going to limit, I think, the the effectiveness of, of especially those days. But, damn. I like it's. I'm remembering thinking in July and August, like there's at least four or five games that just an average mm-hmm. bullpen, you know, you're in control of the division, um, and that's what worries me about the Phillies this year. Our uh, our good pal Johnny Heller tweeted this the other day, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. I have two players from this question. He said, if you could pick one, or I think he said one Philly to have a like a career season this year that would like help kind of change the trajectory who would you pick um i'm gonna pull up the exact tweet just so i can one philly to have a career season um this has been a great question like two or three years ago when we had like uh, a few like former mvps and cy young guys like <laughs> like we saw the Ariad on the team i yeah, said all right let me just get Brian. if you could have a career best season from one philly in 2022 who would it be and then he followed up saying normally there are no wrong answers and while that's the case here too i think there are three that make it that make by far the most sense, maybe a fourth. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf, releasing weekly, a part of the underground sports, Philadelphia family of podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Um, I had two guys in mind. 
I will say this: a career year from Reese Hoskins would be amazing. That was my hitting, um, and I excluded Bryce Harper from it right. just because. In all actuality, you expect Bryce to just produce, and he's going to do what he does. I said Reese Hoskins as my hitter, because if you can get a career year from Reese Hoskins, that changes the entire trajectory of what your offense can do. Yeah. Um, honestly, like a, having Nola back That's at, what I said as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> would be amazing. You know, not that he was terrible last year either, but I mean, if you could get like Cy Young contender Nola again. Nola was um, unbelievable. That gives you two very strong pitchers at the top of, of your rotation which Phillies have not had since like 2011, 2011. so <laughs> that'd be cool um and I think in terms of impact as well you'd have like similar to, to Wheeler last year like going into a day knowing how much more likely you are to, to not even just forget even just like winning just knowing that like you're gonna have a pitcher last to like the seventh inning mm-hmm. it's like that's big you know and that was Wheeler was I think that was one of the underrated things about Wheeler last year so often he was able to go seven eight innings or complete yeah. games even which is just not that's not common anymore and especially considering you know where the phillies weaknesses were last season that was like just unbelievable i think there's two other guys that come to mind for me too after i like process through i was like it's definitely reese hoskins and Aaron Nola, but if you can get a career from sir anthony dominguez that'd be great that would be unbelievable and then if you can get a career year from zach eflin that would also help a lot. I think even too, if like you could give me, <clears throat> I don't even know if you could give me like, <laughs> if you could give me like DD's best year. Yeah. Like how, like how impactful that would be. Especially defensively. That would clear up like so much. I, I think for the Phillies does look like Bryson Stott's going to make the team too. Yeah. I like exciting. that too. I like, I like this Stott and Moniac like, those guys have inf- have like inflated their stock a yeah. lot in spring training, which is good. I think Stott's hitting like five thirty three this spring. That's good. <laughs> like, you know, and the Phillies have like just lacked that. You know, and, and it's good because Stott's so versatile too that like if yeah. Bohm's struggling, you have a guy you can well, slide at third is, base. Am I wrong in saying this? They might be starting him at Lehigh. Like, is wasn't there some wasn't there some discussion about him like not? That I, wouldn't surprise me. Boom, I think, is going to figure it out. I, I think especially, like, offensively. Like, I, I think we didn't see, like, him at his very best last year. Defensively, I don't know about Boom, like, ever. Yeah. Um, But I think offensively, he's, he's better. His than, swing uh, has looked a lot better yeah. this spring, which is, is good. But for a guy that you want to continue developing that swing, I think I would prefer for him to start the season at AAA. I, I might have just been, like, imagining that, but I feel like I Well, there are a couple somewhere. articles saying, like, it's like a – it's like a coin toss, like yeah. choice that they didn't think they were gonna have to make, but because Bryson Stott's played which so is well, good, yeah, you know, like, have, have competition, competition is is fantastic to have because so often I think we haven't had that, and I think that has spread some complacency, but also like you know it's good to have young talent that that pushes other young talent. It's not like Bohm is like some veteran that's right, you know, like twenty five. I think that's the thing to remember about Bohm is like he's got time. Yeah, he's got. You know, and if he can get consistent young reps defensively and offensively at Lehigh Valley, I think that's the biggest benefit for him because it'll just one, it'll boost his confidence, and two, it gives him the consistent reps that he's not gonna get playing for the Phillies every single day. Um, so I wouldn't hate him just starting the season there, continuing yeah. to develop the the swing that looks a lot better, and then you see what you have in Bryson Stott too, which is again he's one of those you know highly touted prospects that everybody's been dying to see 
and now you're going to get an opportunity to potentially see that along with Mickey Moniak being in a platoon with Matt Veerling, who's been amazing this spring. Yeah, Veerling is um, is another one of these guys that I'm very excited to see. All Who's, of a sudden, Phillies have uh, depth. Who yeah, <laughs> shocker. Uh, if only they had a bullpen. The uh, They did trade for um, somebody today from the Padres. I'm blanking on his name. Um, ba, 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 ba. James Norwood. Fantastic bullpen name. Traded just a minor league infielder in cash considerations to the Padres. Um, Norwood's 28. He tossed five scoreless innings in relief. For the Padres last season and has 27 total innings of Major League work under his belt, dating back to his 2018 debut with the Cubs. He has a uh, career 3.67 ERA. Not really a strikeout guy. He does walk a number of uh, batters as well. But, um, I mean, the more bullpen depth you can get. And, again, the way the Phillies just approach the bullpen is just throw darts at the board and see what sticks. I don't hate it. Um, who do you think leads the Phillies in home runs this year? The easy answer is Bryce, of course. But um, if Reese stays healthy, I think he can touch close. It's going to, you know, and there obviously has to be some extending circumstances, but Reese can be like mid-30s. Yeah. And I that could be enough. This lineup yeah. could have... You could definitely have three or four guys with 20, 25 plus. Yeah, I was say, you could have maybe even five if JT is like yeah. locked in. Right. He could hit 25 home runs. Which, with everything else going on, like with the amount of talent you've added, definitely eases the burden on JT. Yeah. So. My dark horse for leading the team is Schwarber. Definitely could. I, I just wonder about like, you know, potential like platoon situations. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, again, it's going to be a guy that's hitting a lot for you. So. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think Reese though could certainly touch that number. I really, if he stays healthy and by all accounts, you know, like he feels good coming in the spring, and we're gonna get a good year out of him. Um, I, I think I think Reese can get there. And then uh, we'll save some for next week as well, since it's uh, next week will be leading right into that that first game. But who is the bullpen pitcher that you and I will be one complaining about the most? And two, who's the bullpen pitcher that we will latch on to, and that will be our guy? Oh, man. Uh, complaining about the most, any of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no there's no like clear target uh, coming into the year that I'm like, I hate this guy already. Um, so it's hard to say. I think I have one that I'm just like, it's because he's a former Met. It's going to be Jerry's Familia. Yeah. I feel like you and I are going to just pull our hair out whenever he comes in. Yeah, and he's obviously not the uh, right best person either. So hard to. That's someone I'm never like talking about. No, <laughs> that's just like. Um, and then since we lost our guy Hector Neris, we need a new bullpen guy. Knievel, maybe I don't know. Like it, he looked good today. Like that he like feels like the Neris replacement. Um, so it could be him. That could be the guy that we're really like in love with. But it's hard to say. Like. I'm hoping it's Sir Anthony. Sir Anthony would be great, and I, I think is is certainly suited for the role. Um, and he has like the tortured past, like Naris mm-hmm. had with us, you know. So there's like a redemption aspect, which is always good for these. Um, I would say it would be JoJo Romero, but he's still coming back from Tommy John. So. Yeah. Connor Brogdon worries me. I'll say that. Yeah, the tweets about him have not been great. 
It's only hitting that. 93 on the radar gun. I'll say that. Connor Brogdon is a little worried about that. He was hitting 96 last year, Matt. <laughs> that terrifies me. We all know the traditional Big Four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. That's it. That's just, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I am intrigued if Christopher Sanchez makes it too. He's another yeah. guy that like is on my radar of just like, I want to see this guy play. Um, but yeah, we'll have more Phillies props next week um, for you guys leading into opening day. But Matt, let's finish up with uh, our buffs and snuffs. Survivor uh, 42 breakdown predictions and everything for this week's episode. It's brought to you by our pals over at Bino Board. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. Uh, it's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com and use uh, our code BINOUSP to get 10% off your entire order at BINOBoard.com. Last week's episode was uh, a doozy, I would say. Uh, first time a challenge gets uh, paused to help out the castaways. Yeah. Um, there's always a first time for everything on Survivor, I'll say that. And I think we got our first uh, villain villain origin with High, um, because what a chaotic tribal council! Uh, I was very impressed with High at tribal because uh, it seemed like the only one that was like paying attention, <laughs> the only one too that was like willing to question and took control. And I think bad play by Daniel uh, at the very beginning says, "Hey, uh, I'm not going to rocks at all," which tells hi okay so all i have to do is just convince you to go to my side and you know you'll avoid it however you can um not the best and then daniel throws chanel under the bus although chanel also kind of threw daniel under the bus as well yeah. just bad by both of them i would say um where chanel's switching the vote to lydia uh and then is playing dumb and she also i don't hate her risking her vote but it was really funny because she mentioned that she could read uh omar very well and that like knew exactly what he was gonna do and then like she was wrong which is i mean listen it's fine right you were wrong but um literally i think her next confessional is her talking about how great she her social game is and that she's like controlling the vote so much even though she doesn't even have to vote and it's like it all blew up <laughs> but that's just the way it goes sometimes um yeah i thought the tribal was was really strong by them i thought it was interesting too i mean it's the first time that we've had the awkwardness yes. of only, you know, I was doing the math when we were watching. I was like, there's only going to be able two people to vote. <laughs> I just um, sucked for Jenny because it felt like just an unfortunate situation, but it is what it is, you know, right? Like that's tough episode for Daniel. I'll say uh, great episode for Jonathan. Yes. Um, and his potential casting for a future Aquaman film because <laughs> damn, he was amazing out there. Um, probably the right call too to to pause the challenge because it did seem like someone was gonna die <laughs> yes <laughs> they were getting absolutely torched by the uh 
by the waves and the, the it was even just the waves just like the rip current too you could see like underneath when they did the shots underneath the, the water and like you gotta remember these people are starving a hundred percent um and like at the end of the day when you get when you're getting worn out like that by the ocean you're more susceptible to uh to like actually drowning yes and it's like a danger not just for them but for like the rescue crew that has to go in and try and save them and you're in the ocean not in a controlled like yeah don't blame them at all for uh <laughs> for pausing the challenge it was definitely a, a, a tribal heavy episode too yeah in terms of like meaningful content although uh, marianne did find the uh, the idol yeah which is um good <laughs> mike did a good thing too by the way in an episode of mike i'm a little worried about our pick because he's he seems comedic relief more than anything at times uh but mike did a smart thing by not now listen by the merge everyone's gonna know who has these idols mm-hmm. if they're still in the game um but i, I do like the idea of of Waiting. Not yeah, waiting and seeing who says the phrases before you say yours, um, and so he saw that Marianne did, so he at least knows that he's close mm-hmm. to having that idol actually activated. But we'll see if they stick around that long because I, you know, I, I think people are willing to to vote these people out. Yeah, and the winners and losers at challenges have been so like just unpredictable, um, especially you know seeing Jonathan just single handedly like carrying. Literally, his entire tribe to victory has been insane. Um, but we'll do our uh, our three up, three down, which will be brought to you by the boys over at Trophy Smack. Uh, it's the best, you know, new wave fantasy uh, trophy experience. You guys can go to our affiliate link in the description of this podcast. Uh, and it's never too early to get your fantasy football trophies ready to roll. And they have every sport covered for you as well. Trophies, belts, rings trophysmack.com use our link in the description of this podcast who you got three up man three up high has to be in there I, it's hard this season i feel like i haven't really remembered as well week mm-hmm. to week who last week last week last season felt much more defined than who i felt were yeah. my top three like pretty much from the get-go um I think High Jonathan High really impressed me at tribal i like the way he's working he seems and i, I think he kept like his like alliance strong his like from the get-go exactly who he went with he has lydia's full and complete trust whereas daniel i think has, has faltered with a lot of people um so yeah and jonathan just impresses the hell out of me with his like not even you know like so often like these big strong guys get challenge beast mm-hmm. name tags um but he was good at like even like the little delicate just throwing the ball yeah. like anything it really does seem like anything f- remotely physical like not that they do like the deadlifting challenges anymore even but like it really does feel like this he has like good touch jonathan um, is the james harden to jd's <laughs> ben simmons yes <laughs> absolutely um the third i no one i, I had jenny I, I think in my my top three at a point um it's hard to say who who fills that third spot i almost want to keep drea in there mm-hmm. i know that she was in my top three before her and omar i i, I would say or like vying out for that. I'll keep Drea there for now because uh, we didn't get to see much out of outside of the, the tribe that goes to mm-hmm. tribal, of course, but I'll keep Drea there. I, th- I think she's still someone I I'm, I'm high on. Yeah. I'm going to go with, with Jonathan is like firmly entrenched until proven otherwise uh, in my three up. Uh, I'm going to go with Drea as well. And then, Simply because he, I think he played it smart, even though he doesn't have his vote. I'm gonna go with Mike, because um, it's just a strategy play, and I thought that was smart by him. 
and didn't really get caught up in the discourse at tribal either, which I think was yeah. was good for him. Um, who you got three down? Uh, Chanel, Daniel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chanel, Daniel, and who would my third be in this situation? Um, Roxroy still. It's That's where I'm and at. And the preview too. for this week had Roxroy um, <clears throat> bossing people around. Chanel and Daniel, I think that was just disastrous for them. They can yeah. recover from that, of course, but like after last week, I mean, tough Chanel scene. did. It was tough, too, because Chanel did not think through at all about how she would it didn't seem at least about how she was going to like answer for the fact yeah. that Lydia was supposed to give like she was immediately like you know Tanya was like hey like just tell me who you want to vote she's like well I don't have a vote he's like well that's not what I'm asking she right. never answered that question and never had a good answer for it at all um so that was tough yeah and I think it helped our case for Mike as well where like he's more so even though he doesn't have his vote he's now I think a little more elevated uh in the the tribal totem pole with uh with that tribe so we're gonna go catch the next episode of survivor make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground phi on twitter instagram follow matt on twitter at matt castorina follow me at kbizzl311 check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content subscribe to the podcast feeds apple podcast spotify leave those five star ratings and reviews as well uh, because the more of those we get, the more uh, people will find the podcast and the more people we invite into uh, this fun little circle that we call Underground Sports Philadelphia. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel where we're 24 subscribers away from you guys getting full video episodes of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, our very first uh, Get in the Whole Podcast live event is going down next weekend, April 10th and April 11th. Sunday, April 10th, we'll be at the Double Eagle Saloon in Vineland, New Jersey for uh, Master Sunday. It's our Green Jacket watch party uh, where Stephen McAvoy, John Mavalia, and a whole bunch of us here in the Vineland area will be at the Double Eagle uh, taking in Sunday of the Masters. Uh, so come out, hang out with us. It's going to be a good time there. And then Monday, we will be at Eastland Golf Course for the grand reopening, red ribbon cutting, Dick Vermeil wine tasting, uh, and, of course, live podcast from the Eastland Golf Course as well. So come on out uh, Sunday, April 10th. Monday, April 11th, we will be at Eastland. And, of course, thank you to Tomahawk Shades, promo code USP for 25% off your entire order at tomahawkshades.com and Kenwood Beer. Use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 416 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. And until next time, we are signing. Peace.